1: and how to leave a mark in this world after breaking through your next achievement. You are moments away from the aha you've been seeking.
2: Hi everyone, and welcome back to Success to Significance life after breaking through glass ceilings. Now, as we talk about all the time on this show, it's not necessarily financial ceilings. And I know that's what people use all the time when they say about breaking through glass ceilings. But you know, in this case, it could be financial ceilings, it could be health ceilings, it could be mindset ceilings, a whole plethora of ceilings that we're breaking through on a regular basis. And I just want to say welcome and thank you so much for taking time in your day to listen to what we have to present to you today and share with you today. So today, We are joined by Christine Closer. She is a friend and colleague of mine now, and we've had the opportunity to have break bread together break bread. Yes. yes,
0: Yeah. It was wonderful.
2: <laughs> I drove from Virginia and she drove from Pennsylvania. We met in the middle in Maryland and had, you know, had an opportunity to spend some time with each other. We're also in a coaching program together, a couple of them. And I just want to introduce her and say, thank you so much, Christine, for joining us today.
0: Well, thank you. I'm excited to be here. So let's get some
2: credibility around you and let me read your bio and I'll kind of ad lib it. But that way everybody will know who is, who's here today. But Christine trains entrepreneurs and leaders to to write their transformational books. So this is perfect because when we talk about success to significance, a lot of times that is a transformation all by itself. She is a USA Today and Wall Street Journal best-selling author, coach, and publisher. Since 2004, she's helped nearly 80,000 aspiring authors in 127 countries and she has had a TEDx talk so you can go check her out there
0: I haven't my clients have had TEDx talks and been all over the place not yet but maybe Maybe, you're just
2: maybe I planted a really good seed for your (laughs) success to significance that's awesome Um, but what's more important is you know who they become after she works with them you know in these life-changing process and she delivers more than published books um she helps aspiring authors fully embody their truth and authentic self and I think that this is really important Christine because you when I met you at New Media Summit last year, you know, I was just, you have an air about you that, you know, required me or drew me to coming to you and saying, you know, hey, can we talk about, you know, the bad experience I had (laughs) writing my first book and, you know, and how I need to get overcome that limiting belief that everything about writing a book is bad experience. So I really thank you for, you know, shedding some light on that. And I know that that's something that a lot of people are concerned about just generally is, you know, I have this book in mind. So let's just start from the very beginning. I have this maybe book in mind. Do I start writing it? Do I do a bullet? Do I talk to someone? Do I, you know, record myself? What are some of the things that people should be doing as they're starting to think about, you know, moving into writing a book or it doesn't have to be a thick book. It can be I call it a pamphlet, you know, one that's smaller. (laughs) But what are some of the things that someone should be doing as they're starting to think about, you know, this and think, gosh, nobody really wants to hear what I have to say?
0: Well, the truth is, if you have an idea planted in your being somewhere to actually share this message on the pages of a book, whatever that message is, I personally believe that if it's there, there's something that it is meant to happen with it. So if you feel that like, oh my gosh, like maybe I have a book inside me and then the gremlins come in and be like, who do you think you are? You know, who's going to read what this is? You know, you don't have a PhD, right. all the stuff I've heard for the thousands and thousands of authors I've coached over the years, those voices can get pretty strong. But the truth is if the seed is there, there is also a book there because I don't think you would, I mean, this kind of gets into a more spiritual concept, but I don't think that you would have been given the seed right? if you weren't also given everything you needed to make that seed come to life in the form of a book. The mistake that I see a lot of people make is like, Oh, I want to write a book. And then they just sit down and start writing. And when you do that, if you could imagine like a river flowing, but with no banks, no structure, no way to tell it to flow. You don't have a river. You have a flood. You have a mess. You have disaster. So I always suggest that before someone starts writing, they build the banks of the river of their book through foundational work. You know, there are several different tools that I teach people in my Get Your Book Done program. We can talk about some specifics if you'd like, but that's the first thing is like, what are the banks of the river of your book?
2: Yeah, I love that. And what you mean by banks of river, because I've written books, right? (laughs) And I'm assuming, and you'll help me make this all correct, but, you know, is whether this book is an instructional book, is it an inspirational book? Is it something that, you know, is going to be a big fish in a small pond or a small fish in a big pond? And I think that the way you write and what you decide to put in a book really does start creating some banks for you, you know, into ultimately what you know, one of our coaches says, is always think about the, the end first, right? And absolutely. That will, you know, get us there. So, what are some of the excuses you hear from people about writing books?
0: Well, the biggest one is that they don't know how, well, well, I, you know, how's the idea of, I don't know how, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to start. So I'm just not going to do anything. And that excuse, I mean, it might be true. Maybe they've never written a, be- a book before and maybe they don't know how, yeah. but there are, you know, people like me and many others out there today, I think more than ever, there is sort of an infiltration of author coaches out in the world. I was going to ask um, you that here in a minute, <laughs> <laughs> but there is a way to write a book like you don't have to figure out how to write a book on your own because there are thousands, millions of people who have already done it. So you do not have to get out there, you know, with your machete and like make a trail and figure this thing out. You know, I did that back in 2004 for my first book and I've helped thousands of people since like not have to go through that process and just follow what works. So that's probably the biggest thing that I see, you know, going on with. Yeah. It's just that thing, you know, it's funny because in the mortgage and real estate space, you know, I hear a
2: lot of selling agents, realtors saying that people won't put their house on the market because they have to clean the house in order to put their house on the market, right? <laughs> to sell. Because, yeah. right? And yeah. so they're just stumped. They're just like, I don't know. I can't move forward. I can't. And so I just won't do it, right? So exactly. given the fact that you mentioned a little bit about, and I was going to ask you this question anyway, about everybody's an author today. Everybody's an author. So let's really talk about. The type of author someone would want to be, whether it's, and I'll let you run with it and I'll just ask questions, you know, but what type of author does someone, you know, look to be?
0: Well, I think because it is a crowded marketplace, I mean, there's more books being published today, every day than there have been. Like we publish more books in a day than used to be published in a year, practically with the, you know, invention of, of course, digital and print on demand and the ease of access. There's no barrier to entry. The good news to no barrier to entry in the publishing world is that everyone can be an author and like the good news, like it's the same. The bad news and the good news are the same. Anyone who wants to be an author can be an author. Mm -hmm. So you need to decide for yourself, like I want to be the kind of author that, you could be the kind of author that wants to just crank out a couple of repurposed blog posts and call it a book and not really care about the quality. You could be the kind of author who writes a book that is like your life's work, you know, your legacy, Mm -hmm. your mission, what you're here to teach people and a book that you can build a business around. Um, You know, some people say build an empire around, but you like that's possible too. There's no wrong book to write. It's just writing the wrong book for you. And that happens a lot nowadays because people are like, well, someone told me this is what I'm supposed to do. And, you know, there's this formula to follow. And it doesn't formula, follow the formula, then it's just going to be, you know, like nothing's ever going to happen with it. And nothing could be further than the truth. You have to write the book that you need to write for the purposes. And this goes back to one of the bank river tools right. that maybe we can talk about. Um, but there are four key questions that I suggest every single author ask before they do anything and one of those questions is relevant to your business and like how do you want your book to help your business transform and if you don't know the answer to that question you don't know the right book to write and you will you might just go pump out a like i said some repurposed blogs that's actually going to harm your reputation and business more than help your reputation and business so there's a right book for you to write but if someone tries to tell you what that is don't listen to them because yeah, right. your, your right. book is He's, not a cookie cutter book. Right, right for you. So
2: what is your feeling on, you know, I know that in fact my son did this. He, you know, basically created a PDF form, right? A PDF book and sold it as an ebook, made eight hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars in three hours <laughs> with his ebook that he made, right? No publisher know anything, just wrote a PDF. I don't know. It's like 400 pages long. It's a statistical kind of thing. And, and sold, and almost made a million. Well, I'm sure he made a million after the three hours, right after that. So what is the difference between, you know, publishing something that's digital and that never goes to print because it's very costly and they're heavy for me. Mine are heavy. You've seen mine. Mine aren't paperback, right? Yes. Mine are yes, heavy. So anytime I'm a substantial going to print, book. Yeah, every time I bring it someplace, I'm like, oh, I got to get an extra luggage and all this stuff, you know, and it costs too much to ship them and all that. So the question then becomes, you know, what is the difference between writing something that's going to be hard copy and and what are the deciding factors in that? And it might be one of your four questions, but the deciding factors in writing something that's a hard copy versus something that's always going to be digital, always going to be, you know, maybe a Kindle and, you know, an e-PDF.
0: Yeah. Well, well they're that. very different strategies. Like what your son yeah. did, um, which is a phenomenal success. That's awesome. Like yeah. he never intended to have the book be on Amazon, in, either in print or in Kindle. He was keeping yeah. his intellectual property. He was selling an ebook for probably a whole heck of a lot more than any ebook would be able to sell on Amazon. And it was the value of the information that allowed him to employ a strategy like that and have so yeah. much success with it. So that probably made made sense for him for his right. purposes. So he made a very wise decision in that case. Most people are not going to be writing such a specialized, detailed, you know, data-driven kind of report that people are hungry for and will pay, you know, multiples of what they pay for a book Mm -hmm. on Amazon or Kindle. What most people want for their books is visibility. They want exposure. They want to be able to, you know, open up new doors of opportunity. They want to be able to use that book to leverage maybe building some certain relationships that, they wouldn't build if they weren't an author it just it opens up a door of opportunity so there's a number of different ways people can go i mean they could pursue getting an agent you know writing a book proposal securing an agent selling to a traditional publisher You know, that's one very specific route. You have to be willing to give up your rights if you do it that way. You have to be willing to get a, you know, the minority portion of royalties on every book sold. So your publisher is making more money than you are in that case on the sale of the book. So, but that's right for some people who want the clout and credibility of, say, a random house type publisher, and they want the distribution into the big bookstores. For other people, the right thing is going to be to completely independently publish, You know, I want complete control. I want to be able to, you know, do everything myself. I want to be able to determine the pricing, the look, the feel, the content, all of it. Your son was an independent publisher, but he did not go through any of the traditional book streams. He, you know, probably had his own audience or he had partners who were interested in what he was doing. And he was able to go completely independent, make a ton of money, which is awesome. And then for a lot of people, they're not quite big enough to go traditional. Right. The traditional publishers are typically looking at a minimum email list of 50,000 people. Because they figure a minimum email list of fifteen thousand people and, of course, social media platforms to match those kinds of numbers um, that you'll be able to sell your required, basically required 5,000 books in the first year. Right. That's what they're looking for, five to 10,000. They kind of calculate the numbers. And if you don't match the numbers, very few publishers will take a look at you. So right. a lot of people are like, well, I'm not ready for traditional. I'm not really right for, you know, independent publishing. I don't have the platform, you know, that Jen's son does that could make nearly a million dollars in the first three hours of, you know, publishing just a PDF ebook on independently on his own site. Most people fall somewhere in the middle. They're looking for a publishing partner that can help them through the process because they can get blocked in the writing. They can get blocked in the publishing. And authors can get blocked in the marketing. Those are like the three key places where the blocks, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, hit. So if you work in that middle ground, you partner ideally with an ethical publisher who's really going to treat your book as if it were their own and hold a high level of quality control, you know, high customer service and really help co-create an amazing product with you that you're thrilled about. And for a lot of people, that's the right match, but the wrong decision inside of that right match in terms of process can be devastating. So you got to do a lot of homework. Are you paying them once and then paying them again for every book you sell? Or are you paying them once and it's a fee for service and you earn your rights and get all your royalties at the end? Do they have a reputation for delivering what they say they're going to deliver? Have How many times they have been sued? Have they been involved in class action lawsuits? Because a lot right. of them have. Do so they
2: all, they, Because, I mean, in my example, and I'm not going to say who it is. I'm just saying in my example, you know, it was on the back side of everything it was a 90 day co-marketing or you know marketing push that they were going to do and they fell short i think they fell short i did more than than i think they did which is fine because i was going to be pushing it anyway right but i just didn't i didn't get the umph that i that i thought i was going to get right after writing the book you know i thought oh i'm going to really get a big umph and actually it's funny because in i'm getting more of an umph now And it's been
0: almost three years. (laughs) Interesting. And that's the beautiful thing about a book is like, you can write it once, but you can launch it and oomph it, if you will, for as long as you want to share the message of that book. I mean, I've seen people who have launched books 10 years after they've been written. They're like, oh, I want to infuse some new life into this book. And it's still 10 years old, but you know, they, put together a campaign and they do what they need to do to get the word out about that book again.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's interesting. And it's not because I did a relaunch or anything. It was, and I am a number one bestseller on Amazon, you know, in my space because I was a big fish in a small pond. So everybody mm-hmm. wanted you know, so thankfully that happened. Okay, so that's, you know, that's pretty interesting. I wanted to ask you about, and that's what I was, for those of you that are listening, if you're not watching, I was kind of, you know, scooching around in my office here. And I can't find my version of this, but I have someone else's version of it. But this, having a small pamphlet, so you're going to have to go to YouTube, my YouTube channel, <laughs> to see what I'm holding. But having some type of publishing of a small pamphlet, you know, like, like this is, it's maybe, I think this thing is only... I don't know, like 30 pages and something like that. What do you think about something like this for someone to use if they wanted credibility? And the reason why I'm asking this is that I stumbled upon this last month, and it was so ironic because I was like, wait, hold on, I've got one too, and I went and ran and got mine, but look, I have this too. I actually use this as a very expensive business card when I'm out galley and when I'm speaking and I just toss this out, you know, to everybody because it's so inexpensive. I mean, it's like $3, you know, a piece or something. But instead of carrying all these books, I'm carrying an excerpt from my book, mm-hmm. right? And that's actually where my book started. I was doing this and I moved it into a full book. So what do you think about someone who says, you know, I don't want to take on this full big thing. I just want to get a few words out there. What are your thoughts about that? And how do you think about it? Now you're looking. By the way, everybody. Now she's looking. Now <laughs> I'm looking. Just
0: look
2: back in my bookshelf.
0: Mine though. I don't know where mine is right now. <laughs> because this is my little book, right? Yep. I mean, I know I love so little book. that yeah. you couldn't even like fit the title on the spine. If you're right. watching on YouTube, you can see like I can't even get a title on the spine of this book. Right. Teeny right. tiny, maybe ten thousand words. It's a very different book than, say, my book, The Freedom Formula. Which right. is more like 150 pages or whatever, 30 to 40,000 words. It's a whole different thing and they have different purposes. If, you know, writing the small book is perfectly fine. Like there's absolutely nothing wrong with writing the small book. They have a purpose and the purpose is you're going to give them away for free, probably for the most part. Yeah. And it's going to be an instant credibility builder when you hand out a small book instead of a business card. People so, don't give them away. They don't throw them away. And with a nice little small book, they also like don't leave it in their hotel room from the conference that you met them at because they don't want to have to carry that weight. Like the small book can go with them. Right. Um, so I think they're a good idea. But just understand that the small book is not going to be quite the credibility builder as the book book. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure Jenny probably experience.'s like, you know, oh, here's my little thing. And then there's like then there's this thing that you're going to use when you're trying to get on more stages or, you know, yeah. close clients or things like that. You're going to bring out the kind of the heavy hitter book. Yeah. For me, it was an
2: expansion of my practice. You know, it was, it was a way for me to say this, here's something I can give you. And then they go, co- Oh my gosh, I was reading that. And I employ, you know, I executed on it and it was fantastic, you know, and I got all kinds of cute little you know responses and stuff from people. And I feel like that's better than going to a networking event and just having my card. Right. And so that was really the, the auspice for that. And then that was like, well, if I can do that, maybe I could do even more, you know, and then it turned into how ever, I don't even know how many pages my book is. Yeah, I've actually never read my book. I'm going to be honest because oh, I wrote wow. it. I wrote it. I didn't want to read it. <laughs> <laughs> I, had wrote, I wrote it and rewrote it and organized it and rewrote it and edited it and rewrote it and organized it again. And I was like, I'm not reading the book when it comes in. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> done.
0: Typically, by ready. the time the book is published, that's a very common experience for an author because you have you gone through so many rounds of editing. You've checked every eye, you've dotted every Somebody you've inertia. dotted every eye, every eye, you've crossed every T. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm so done. I'm just
2: over. It's like being pregnant. You know, you just want to yeah. baby. And everybody's like, You're not done with that book yet? You haven't had your baby. <laughs> oh, stop asking me. I want it over just as much as you
0: did. Yes. So
2: before we kind of switch into some of the breakthroughs that you've had and, you know, experience some breakthroughs with some people that you've worked with, what other advice would you give to someone other than, you know, telling, co- I don't want you to coach them right now. I just, but, you know, other advice would you give someone if they're thinking about this, you know? And they're listening and they're saying, you know, maybe I could write a book.
0: Maybe I should get a hold of Christine. And I I don't know, maybe. Well, I'd be more than happy to help you write a book as long as it's something that's transformational, you know, here to have a really big impact in the world and help people do something in some way, have a change in their lives. Then I might be your gal, who knows? But I think one of the most important things, I actually feel like I want to share those four quick questions that I mentioned earlier so that you have those in your hip pocket. Now, these four questions, I wrote this entire book, The Transformation Quadrant on just these an
2: Online questionnaire as well.
0: Yeah, you can just go to transformationquadrant.com and you can get a free copy of the book and a workbook and everything to work through this. And there's more context there, but the four key questions to ask yourself as you start writing is first and foremost, and a lot of people, people are like, What? I have to ask that question first. And yeah, because it will help determine what type of book it is. You talked about that earlier, Jenna's like, Well, you know, what kind of book? And the best way to know that is by asking this first question to yourself is what is the transformation you want for yourself through the process of writing this book? Like, Mm -hmm. what do you want to be different for you?
2: That's actually a very deep question. I'm not sure I could answer it now for that book.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it (laughs) is.
2: I'm not sure I could, could answer it right now. You know,
0: that's a pretty deep question. It's a very deep question. And when I work with clients in this particular, well, this tool, it's called the transformation quadrant. I mean, just last week I was hosting, I did a private consultation with someone on their quadrant answering these four questions. And by quadrant number two, she was like, she had cracked open and she had seen like a thousand different threads come together into a tapestry that she hadn't seen before because of the depth in which we entered into these questions. I'm kind of giving you the, the top yeah. line, but there's, there's a lot to unpack in these questions. Right. Um, but that's the first one. What transformation do you want for yourself to experience through the process? The second question is what transformation do you want for your readers? Mm-hmm. Because if you're not transforming your readers' lives, your book's going to go nowhere. So you right. need to really be clear on what transformation you want for them. Third question is what's the transformation you want for your business? Yeah, that will help determine what kind of book it is and ooh, what is the link and how do I very specifically want this book to transform my business? And the fourth question and if is: someone
2: Doesn't have a business? Is that okay?
0: It is okay. I tell them to at least play around with this quadrant, like just okay. see because maybe there's something there. And for those of you on YouTube, that's my cat Toby in the background. Well, <laughs> um. <laughs> that's
2: awesome. I've listen. I've had my puppy jump up on here. Yeah. Don't worry about yeah, it. Let's it.
0: see. Maybe yeah. the other one will join us we too. May but.
2: actually hear some meowing in a moment. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> but I always suggest that people at least do the exercise. Right. If I had a business or if I could create a business around this book, yeah. because oftentimes the book, at least for my authors, it's a piece of something bigger. I mean, I have some where it's really the book is the end. That's it. That's everything. Right. But I have most of them are like, well, the book is a piece of something more And if you don't know how the book fits into that and what you want it to do for your business and how you want that transformation to look, you can't write the book in a way that's going to lead to that shift and change and growth and transformation in your business. So that's the third third quadrant, third question. And the final one is what is the transformation that you want to see in the world as a result of your book being in it? Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's just kind of a pebble in the pond sort of concept. You know, if there was really a ripple effect of this book, How might the world be different? How would you want to see the world be different? You know, people have gone all the way to like, you know, world peace. Like literally, if everyone (laughs) read and adopted my teachings in this book, the war would have to end. Violence would have to, you know, when it's like, that's a God's honest truth. Right. If that happens. So that kind of big vision. Uh, sometimes it's good to help you keep going when you're like all in your head and I can't do this
2: more words to use and different
0: words. Yeah. 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 So those are the four key questions the four key questions I think everyone should start there. And once you've done that, you might want to consider also making sure you're crystal clear on who your ideal reader is. Mm -hmm. And also, especially if you're writing nonfiction, I would encourage you to consider writing your back cover copy first before you write the book, because if you can't, communicate what you want to communicate in 250 words or less you're not ready to write the book because you're not clear enough on your message.
2: Right and that's that that end you know result. So I have one more question about this too is what how do you feel about ghostwriting in what circumstances because maybe when someone's saying you know I, I have an idea I have a concept that I just don't want to sit down and write. (laughs)
0: Well, there's a lot of successful ghostwriters out there because there are a lot of people who need to work with ghostwriters, right? You know, for some people, that's the right decision. Mm -hmm. If you're not going to get your book done for five years, but partnering with a ghostwriter would have it done in a year, then that might be the right thing for you. I personally, it's very rare that I encourage someone to work with a ghostwriter because part of the core for me is the first question. Yeah. What is a transformation you want for yourself? Right. Yeah. And if it's ghost written, you, you still have ownership, but it's different if you don't write the words yourself. Mm-hmm. And I've just seen too many people have transformations, exactly what they intended and so much more in that self quadrant because they wrote their book themselves that it's kind of hard for me to think of like, oh, not doing that. But if you're not going to do it on your own, then working with a ghostwriter is certainly you know, the next best option to make sure that it gets done and you can experience, you know, the impact and the benefits and all of those things that come along with authorship.
2: Thank you for sharing your opinion on that. Yeah, no, I think it's important because I was, you know, I was just sitting here thinking, you know, maybe someone doesn't want to write a book, but they but they want their message to get out there, you know, in, in some way, shape or form. And obviously, you know, one of the new things that a lot of people are doing is converting their podcast interviews or converting their radio interviews into books, you know, and and I was just recently in a book because I was a, someone, a guest on someone's podcast or someone's book. I can't remember radio. I was on his radio, but it was really cool because Kevin Harrington was in the book too. And I was like, look at me, <laughs> look at me. <laughs> you know, so that's kind of a cool concept too. And I know, you know, with all the Facebook, you know, live and everything that we're all, you know, experiencing, we certainly could, you know, transcribe all those and then do our take on that interview. And, and that could be a book, you know, is just, so it just really is important to sit down and kind of think about what you want to do, what you want to share as your message throughout the world and, you know, really where you want it to take you. So thank you. Thank you for sharing all of that. So I'd I'd like to just kind of switch gears, you know, in our last 15 minutes here is, you know, what type of breakthroughs have you had? And it can be in the book writing, you know, it could be in the book writing, or it can be for you personally because, you know, this podcast is about life after breakthroughs. What happened, you know, what ceiling were you approaching? And then, after that you know what does that life look like and how, how has that helped you you know expand your horizons in the world
0: oh my gosh it is really difficult to pick because there are a lot of good ones but the <laughs> one that keeps popping up is actually back in my college days um i hit a ceiling in my college days in my senior year and what that ceiling looked like was me Dressing up again in pantyhose and a little double breasted skirt suit and patent leather heels to go to an on campus interview for a job. Oh, surprise, either a bank or an insurance company that I did not want. Yeah. And I could feel, I, I mean, I was not nearly as awake as I am now back then. Um, but I, like, some part of me knew that I was bumping up against some ceiling that just so rubbed me the wrong way like at 21 i knew like this can't be it this is not for me like this this whatever this life is like job with benefits um no but i knew no other option right my mother was a school teacher my father was a salesman you know my sisters and i all degraded all graduated business degrees because like you get a business degree you go and you get a job and you get benefits and this was the big goal rich dad poor dad there (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And I was like, no, like, no. So I remember that interview and I remember the night going to a bar um, just off campus and over a pitcher of Miller Lite beer, I managed to get one of my girlfriends enrolled in the idea of moving to California when we graduated. Now we were at a small private Catholic college in Rhode Island. Yeah. And by the end of that night of my very last on-campus interview, like we, we had made a decision. We're moving to San Diego. Neither one of us had been there before. Neither one of us knew anybody there. Neither one of us had a car to even get there. Um, and, but we were like, we're doing this. And um, then we had to, of course, get a third girlfriend to come with us because she had a car. And next thing you know, we were like in the car after graduation. We had temped all summer um, to save up enough money pretty much to get ourselves cross country with no place to live, um, we threw what we could in a little Volkswagen of Fox and drove across country and landed in a youth hostel. Um, and I didn't know it then, but the ceiling that I was bumping up against was really a ceiling of a small, um, fixed life of non-impact. Like that's that's wow. what it feels. Yeah, just being in a box being in a box. Yeah. I was not born to be in a box. Some people love that box and they would like not survive outside of that box. And I thank God because we people, we need people in those boxes, mm-hmm. but I couldn't do it. And you know, the further and further I got to California, you know, or the further I got away from new England and the closer I got to California, it was like, there's, I just felt it's like there's something for me here. Right. A free mm-hmm. And eventually that led to, you know, I opened up my very first business in 1991 and I, you know, have been certifiably unemployable since 1991 when that first client wrote her first check and handed it to me with my name on it. Like that was amazing. And uh, that was a huge breakthrough. My business has gone through a lot of iterations. I mean I was a fitness trainer back then in LA Um So it's, it's evolved a lot and grown and shifted a lot, but that spark of like, no way. I like, you're not going to keep me under that glass ceiling. Right. Sorry.
2: So on the backside of that, you know, what it's obviously when, and I shouldn't say on the backside, but when you, when you break through a ceiling, you know, it now becomes your floor. So what was ahead for you? I mean, what are some, and and not all your breakthroughs, but just what was ahead on the backside of that? You opened a business. Yes. You know, what was the significance of that, you know, moving into that?
0: I think the significance of moving into that was this like underlying feeling that I could design and create a life that worked for me doing work that felt meaningful. Like when I have people hear people complaining about jobs that they don't like, like it, I, I don't even, I can't even comprehend how someone could spend then quit. 20. <laughs> what's that? Then quit. If you don't like your job, quit. Right. But 20, yes, 30 years, just counting down until retirement. Like I don't understand. So it really gave me this feeling like I can create an amazing life. Yes. And as a result of owning my first business, you know, of course we hit, Bumps and challenges and as a result of one of the greatest challenges I faced in my business wondering if I could continue anymore Need to go get a job. Um, I ended up birthing something called the network for empowering women entrepreneurs It was a networking group in LA. I started it because I needed it and mm-hmm. they grew to like 500 members with no marketing Met amazing people. Still, 20 years later, some of the most important relationships in my life and in my career birthed out of that organization. And it was that organization that birthed me into my very first book that I ever was a part of. I did an anthology. I collected stories from 40 of the women in the group. And we became authors together. There you go. Yeah. so, I mean, moving to California was definitely, like, that part of me is like, get out of here. This isn't for you, Christine. (laughs) Change the trajectory of my life.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. I I love that too. And, you know, and I know that now in your life, you know, it's all about, and we all want to be successful. I always have to say that on this, you know, it's not moving from success to significance, it's being successful and significant, right? Both. Um, But right now, I know that one of the things that you're really working on is helping people get their message out there. And I know that that brings you a lot of joy you know, in the significant part of this is that there are stories to be told and you're out there saying, tell your story, tell your story, get your book written, yes. you know, get it, get it done. So what's, what's on deck for you this
0: year? Oh my gosh. What's on deck for me this year just feels like reaching more people. you know, businesses always evolve and grow and shift and change. And we've spent the last two years internally, in our business building the most amazing lock tight, structure, systems, operations, expanding our team, um, pulling our programs together so that it's very crystal clear where someone belongs in our suite of offerings, whether it be in publishing or in helping them actually with the writing process. Like our business is so clean and smooth and so joyful and works so well that this year for us is really like, okay, you know, like we have such a strong foundation. We could take a thousand more people in this business this year. And we'd be just fine and everyone would be just as happy as they are now. It just that it would be more clients that we're serving. Yeah. So love- like,
2: you know. Yeah, I love that you're saying that too. And I, it, something I've been saying lately is, you know, everybody's talking about 2020 vision and things like that. And, and for me, that's very short-sighted because it's just this year. So because we had the roaring 20s, I've been calling it the soaring 20s. And so that, it. that's kind of what I'm hearing from you.
1: <laughs> They're
2: yes. going to be really soaring for you now that you have the foundation that you put in place, you know, so that you can be more significant to other people, you know, along yes. the way. Yeah, I absolutely love that. So I know you have um, a gift for, well, there's a couple things that I want to make sure that we do. And the first is talking about the transformational quadrant, right? The first yes. item that you said. And so you have an online version of that as well, um, the transformationalquadrant.com. And so we'll put that, that link here in the notes.
0: Yep. And, and I'll, I'll say just say it's transformation quadrant. Oh, transformation. Yeah, just transformationquadrant.com. And you'll get the... Gotcha.
2: Yeah. you, you get the book...
0: Quadrant. And the workbook. If you like reading print, then you can go buy it on Amazon. Yep. Um, if you like to have a physical book in your hands like that, but you can also get it for free at transformationquadrant.com.
2: Okay, awesome. Sounds good. And then also I know that you have a new uh, course that's coming out in May. So tell us about about that. And as you know, as we're recording here now, it's earlier in the year, but we're gonna make sure that this gets released right before you have your course. So if you're listening. Yes. To- You need to take action quickly, make a decision really quickly in order to be able to be part of this particular group.
0: Absolutely, because once a year, I host a training called the Book Breakthrough Quest. It is a free training. It runs for five days, and it's designed to help you gain clarity and confidence and consistency in being able to move your message forward through the written world. Through their written word and into the world um, is totally fun. I actually four of the trainings are pre-recorded at Bob Marley's house down in the Bahamas, where I host a retreat. Um, just hosted a retreat earlier, um, so I recorded the videos there, and then we go live on Friday for one more like a robust, really deep dive training. And I will tell you, like, not this is just I'm saying it because other people said it, is that when I did this last year, we had about five thousand participants, and across the board. They were like, this is the most valuable, most helpful, most amazing free training that I ever experienced. And there are people getting clarity on their message, clarity on their audience, clarity on their big vision as an author. Like, how does it fit into the puzzle? So it's totally fun. We do a lot of engagement on Facebook in my group. And I invite you to join us. It's just a book, BreakthroughQuest.com. Awesome. So book we'll put that, quest. yeah, we'll
2: put that link here as well. Yeah. And if someone wants to just get in touch with you, um, what's the best place for them to go? Where Where should they go to find you if maybe they can't do this five-day event, but they just want to get in touch with you to ask some questions?
0: Absolutely. You can go to um, just ChristineCloser.com, my website. We have a contact page there and you can submit a contact and, you know, anyone that submits a contact, like every single question gets answered. So. Yeah. Just awesome. christinecloser.com. We'll awesome. the best to go.
2: Okay. So as we, as we end our time here today, and I want to again say thank you so much for sharing um, this information with everybody, you know, cause a lot of people that are listening here are, are going through some type of transformation, um, you know, in their life or in their business. And uh, you know, so this is just another added piece that we want to be able to share with everybody. What, uh, what quote really inspires you these days?
0: Oh, my gosh, there are so many. Oh, I know. have
2: got thousands.
0: <laughs> I feel like, um, I actually feel like there's one that I want to share that is, I haven't heard anyone say it, but it's one of my own that's particular to authors, and that is that you don't need to be a writer to be an author. Too many people get hung up, you know, they got a C in English, they got red marks all over like, oh, I'm not <laughs> <Right>. a writer. <laughs> yes, you do not yeah. need to be a writer to be an author. To be an author, you have to be someone with something valuable to share. That's and what good editors are for. So yeah, you don't need to be a writer to be an author.
2: I love that. I love that. Thank you so much for closing that um, up for us. I really appreciate it. So again, Christine, thank you so much for sharing time with us today. And uh, for those of you that are listening, I just want to say thank you for taking time out of your day. And please don't forget to give us a five-star rating. And don't forget to write the review as well. And as always, you can reach me at jenduplesses.com and submit a question and say, hey, you know, I'd like to have this topic. I'd like to hear about this. And I am happy to entertain any and all of those suggestions so that you get as much Value out of listening to this podcast as you possibly can. So until next time, thank you very much for listening. And again, Christine, thank you so much.
1: You've been listening to Success to Significance with Jen Duplessis, the number one podcast for people wanting to give more value and make an impact. Loved this episode? Be sure to subscribe right now at slash S2S.